The Old Testament reading for this, the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil, with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. This is the word of the Lord. He will command his angels concerning you. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The epistle reading comes from the letter to the Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And this is the word of the Lord. And the Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our Gospel reading today, after speaking with the rich young ruler from last week, after telling him to sell all of his goods and to give it to the poor, Jesus kind of drops a bombshell on his disciples. He says, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples are amazed. And then Jesus doubles down on this statement, and he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And do you notice the reaction of the disciples? Then who can be saved, they say. They're amazed, they're shocked, they're downright flabbergasted at his words. Because isn't that kind of the ultimate goal for everybody? To become wealthy? To not have to worry about money anymore? And aren't the rich clearly favored by God already? Doesn't God show his love by showering you with wealth, they were asking? I mean, many of the rich people were Pharisees. And who looked holier than the Pharisees? Nobody, that's who. The wealthy had it all. They had ease and luxury. They had purity and a devout faith. And so it seemed pretty obvious that the wealthy were the ones that God loved the most. And still today, there are far too many people who think along these lines. If you listen closely to people like Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Kenneth Copeland, and all those other name-it-and-claim-it prosperity gospel preachers which I actually don't recommend that you do. But if you listen, they claim that if your faith is strong enough, you'll never have to worry about money. And the proof of God's love is how fat your wallet is. I mean, 
Just look how wealthy they are, and obviously God loves them, right? Health and wealth should be your focus in their mind. And any genuine Christian is going to have plenty of both, say these charlatans. And I can call them that with confidence, because what they preach goes directly against all the teachings of Scripture. If money is the most important thing in your life, you are going to be sorely disappointed. You are going to be very disappointed in this world because it's never going to be enough. King Solomon writes in our Old Testament reading from Ecclesiastes, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. It's never enough. And you will always want more and more and more. At what point do you look at your savings account and say, you know what, that's sufficient. I think I'll stop accumulating wealth. It doesn't happen. Because you will always want more. You'll always need another addition to the house, a bigger car, a more powerful tractor. You will need more and more and more. And what's more, you can never be sure that that money is going to be there tomorrow. On Monday, October 28, 1929, many Americans were positive that the good times would never end. The economy was great. The stock market was always going up. Most people were pretty flush with cash. It was kind of a nationwide party, the Roaring Twenties. What could they possibly have to worry about? And then the next day, often called Black Tuesday, the stock market crashed. Billions of dollars were lost. People panicked and tried to pull all their money out of the banks, only to find out there was no money in the bank. The economy nosedived, and the Great Depression began. And sadly... Many people actually took their own lives, thinking that without that flow of cash, there was nothing left for them to live for. That which they had put so much faith in had failed them, had even caused their death. It won't last, and it definitely can't save you. An unexpected bill can wipe out your savings like that. Thieves and scammers can empty your bank accounts in no time at all. A mistake on your taxes from years ago can come back to haunt you with outrageous penalties and interest and all that stockpile of cash that you've built up, everything that you thought your future was based upon can be taken away. I'll admit, I struggle with this myself. Even as I'm filling my life and my house with plastic trinkets that I don't need, I find myself fretting and stewing when the bank account gets low, feeling down and out when a bill comes in that's larger than I thought it would be, even thinking that there's no way that we could financially get through this. And yet, we always have, because God provides. Money isn't forever. It never truly satisfies, and it is going to leave you disappointed in this life. But even more so, it will leave you disappointed in the next life. Jesus says that it's easier for a camel 
to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now this doesn't mean that poor people are automatically in or that if you give all your money away, that's going to buy your way into heaven. Or doesn't even mean that it's a sin for you to have wealth. But if you are so attached to that wealth, so in love with the things of this world that you neglect the things of heaven, then yes, you are lost. And those riches that you love so much have been your... Money and earthly riches, they're so deceptive. They're so enticing. They promise so much. But ultimately, they are used long run. I've been in many funeral processions in my ministry. Not one of them has had a U-Haul in it. All the money in the world, it's not enough to buy your way into heaven. It won't last, and it definitely can't save you. When you get to the pearly gates, St. Peter is not there checking your 401k and saying, looks like you're good, come on in. Money will not save you. And money is not the only false idol that can easily take that prime place in your lives. The thing that can make it impossible for you to enter into heaven. Anything that we put our trust in, anything that we just love more than anything else in the world, that we take more seriously than God's word, anything that we're sure if that's gone, then life is over, that's our idol. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's family, sports, education, our own health, politics. Whatever it might be that we are positive, that's the thing that's most important to me. That's the thing that I need to focus on. And if I have that, then my life is okay. All those things are idols. And all those things will fail us. They can be taken away so quickly and they avail us nothing at all. In the long run, it is Jesus and Jesus alone that never fails and never disappoints us. Not in that he always keeps our bank account flush or whatever we think we need the most he's going to give us. He sustains us throughout this world no matter how much or how little we have. Because everything that we have comes from him and him alone. We might think we need more. We might think we need a bigger house or a fancier car or better clothes or more cash in the account. But he knows even better than we do. And he gives us what we truly need. Sometimes what we need is less. Because in want, we learn to rely on him. And we see how he provides for us in ways that we didn't expect. When the bank account is full, we don't see a need for God because we've got cash. What wants do we have in this life? When we're not sure how we're going to make it day to day, God is there. And when we do have cash, when we are in plenty, we rejoice that God gives us not just the bare minimum to get by, but bountiful blessings Riches upon riches, luxuries that we don't need, and yet we enjoy so much gifts from our loving Heavenly Father. But here's the thing. God's love 
It's not revealed through earthly trinkets and baubles. Don't fall into the trap of the disciples and so many other people that if that guy has stuff, then God must love him because he's given him more stuff. No. That stuff will fail and it'll disappoint and eventually it's all going to come to an end. But God's love never does. His love is not revealed in how many things you have piled up on your shelves, but His love is revealed in what He gave to us at the cross and the empty tomb. Because there, He gave us a gift that we couldn't even attempt to put a price tag on. We were sinners. We were greedy, idolatrous sinners who cared nothing at all about God's Word. We were blind, dead, and enemies of God. We were dead in our transgression and sin. We had no hope whatsoever of entering into God's kingdom or making our situation better. We as sinners deserved nothing but death and condemnation. But instead, God, the creator of the universe, holy, perfect, and righteous, the God who established the law that we so freely and rampantly broke, he purchased our freedom and the gift of of eternal life. Not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death that we may be his own. We who deserved nothing were given absolutely everything. Our sin separated us from God and it barred us from ever entering into God's eternal paradise. We couldn't buy our way in. We couldn't make ourselves good enough to deserve it. It's simply not impossible. We would have a far easier time driving a camel through the eye of the needle. But with God, all things are possible. Even the salvation of sinners like you and me. It is His doing, His grace, His gift. And it's shown in the blood of Jesus Christ that washes you clean of your guilt. And unlike the earthly gifts that he pours out so richly into our lives, the ones that we wrongly put our faith and trust in, this is a gift that will never fade, will never devalue, will never leave us disappointed. The salvation that is given to us by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ his death and resurrection is an eternal gift. The gift that keeps on giving. The gift that we can receive nowhere else. Here, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we know that our Lord is with us. Not by how much cash we have on hand. Not by how healthy we are. Not by how our family is doing or any kind of earthly indicator. We know that God is with us because he has promised to be with us. And what God says is fact. You are his through baptism because he said so. You are forgiven of all of your sin because he said so. You are blessed to receive his true body and blood at this altar because he says so. And when our last hour comes, when we lie down in the sleep of death, when none of our earthly treasures or riches or health matter one bit, we know that there too our Lord is with us. When he rose from the dead, he did it for our sake, promising that we too would rise from the grave just as he did. 
not to come back to this world of pain and suffering, but to be carried in his loving arms to his perfect paradise of heaven. And there, we will not worry about money because we will never be in want. The streets are paved with gold. All things will be provided for us according to his heavenly will. There we will never worry that our health might fail us because sickness and death won't even be a memory. There we will rejoice for all eternity with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, singing God's praise forever in his perfect sinless kingdom of heaven. And we know that this will happen, not because of how many earthly gifts we have right now, not because of how much good we've done, not because of anything temporary or of this world. We know it because God's word has told us. All our earthly riches, they will come to nothing. Our health, our social status, our athletic abilities, all of that will end. It won't last, and it definitely can't save you. But the death and resurrection of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will There at the cross and empty tomb, and there alone, you see God's love for you. There alone, you receive the forgiveness of your sins. You see the price that God is willing to pay to redeem you from sin, death, and the devil. You see not just the glimmer of hope, but the absolute certainty that you will be in heaven. You see your eternal victory won by the outstretched arms of the Messiah. All who look there in faith, they are given a treasure far greater than all the riches of the world combined. And this treasure, it will last, and it alone will save you. Because by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of all of your sin, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.